wanted to speak to, to that part of you that's the visionary side. Because it's, it's not just enough to wake up and, and want something to happen. It's not just enough to wake up and hope something will happen. Hope is powerful. But if you do not plan, when God gives you a vision, what he's doing is he's giving you the responsibility to effectuate that vision in the natural realm. And what most people don't realize, and even in the circles that, that deal with deliverance, most people don't realize that when the enemy comes in, he comes in with deception. His heart is always to deceive you. There are two powerful words, and I'm going to share in a little while about these powerful words. One is conceive, and one is deceive. Conceive, deceive. They both have the same root systems, but one is the opposite of the other. And so, before you can ever accomplish anything, listen to this. If you just listen to this next two minutes, this can change your life. Before you can conceive of anything, or if you could birth anything, right, it would require two people. It would require an agreement, and it would require intimacy. And conceive, when you look at the Latin, uh, what it has to do is two words, con and sieve. Con is together with and sieve. It, it's almost like um, a, a person that becomes pregnant, a person that receives a seed. And conceive also, you can think and conceive something. And what that has to do is receiving and keeping a thought. Receiving and keeping a thought, making it yours. So in both cases, it requires intimacy. The word intercourse is dialogue, very close dialogue, right? So in order for us to birth anything in the natural realm, we have to conceive it. Now here's the challenge. The challenge is that you first have to conceive it here before you ever see it out here. Amen. Amen. Before you can conceive something in the natural, it first has to be conceived in the dark places. Even a man and women, when they get married and they have um, their intimacy, they don't actually know whether she's pregnant or not until certain things start happening. But the things that start happening in her body is a result of the fact that she already conceived. She already, through intimacy, created a spark of life within her, right? In the same way, when God gives you something, when God gives you a word, it is impossible to conceive anything with that word until you have intimacy with the word. And in order to have intimacy with the word, you have to take it personally. You have to employ it personally. You have to read it over and over and mull it and keep it to yourself and speak it over and over. That's why most people don't conceive things in the natural. They never conceived internally. They never held the word of God deeply within them. They never uh, um, meditated on the word, loved the word, appreciated the word. Hallelujah. So what I want you to start thinking is the last Sunday of this old year. What are you going to do in this next year? Uh, if you read my devotional this morning, you don't have to wait till the new year to plan something. Most of you, well, when January 1st comes, then I'm going to go on a diet, and I'm going to lose 30 pounds by March. No, you're not. No, you're not, because you waited till that time to do it. That means you really, you, you hadn't conceived that thing. 
It wasn't a PowerPoint to you. It wasn't pressing. It wasn't, uh, it didn't get to a point where it, it, it was the only thing you were thinking about. For you guys, you know, you, you fall in love with that gal, you get married, it's the only thing you're thinking about, right? You're working, but when I get, get my honey, my honey. Hey, hey, hey yeah. After a while, after a while, it becomes almost like an obsession. You want to spend time together. So you don't really want to spend time. You're not really enjoying that diet. You're not going to diet. You're going to starve, but you're not going to finish. Yeah, but it's just not fair. It's so hard. Well, this is why you have to conceive it. Because it's going to be painful. And you're going to have to let go of those cakes. And that pasta. And all that really good food. Yeah. So... Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You have to endure the hard season, but if you conceive it in here, if you could see yourself 30 pounds lighter, if you could see yourself writing that book, if you could see yourself starting that ministry, you're going to go through pain. It's going to happen. But any conceiving demands pain. The pain of discipline. The pain of being a visionary, of looking forward to your future. The pain of getting up early and preparing your day Preparing your day the day before. A woman that goes uh, through a birth, you, you, you prepare that. You have intimacy that with that woman for nine months. That's right. And by the time you're birthing, you already felt that pain in your mind a thousand times. And so when you're there, that baby's about to come out. What are you going to experience? It's like Mr. T. When they told him, what's your prediction of the fight? He went, pain. <laughs> Remember that movie? Rocky Three, I think it was. I, I had to go movies for a moment, you know, just, just to give you the point. But yeah, but then the baby comes and everybody's happy. And it's the same way with anything that God gives us. We have to go through a process of conception, personally conceive it. Nobody sees that you have that book within you. Nobody sees that you have that song within you. Nobody sees that you have that business within you. Nobody sees it, but you do. Because you're the one that's pregnant. You're the one that conceived it on the inside. But if you didn't conceive it, it won't come out. It won't come out. It's just a pipe dream. Hallelujah. So I want to start to get you thinking in such a way uh, where the scripture bears it out. It tells us how to do this. The scripture is a very practical book. Some people are super spiritual. I walk with the Bible, 20-pound Bible underneath my shoulder. Look how spiritual I am. Well, how about you get it from your shoulder and from your maybe from your uh, armpit here into your heart? Because that's when it's going to conceive the miraculous. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to give you two examples. I'm going to speak, I'm going to ask two professionals to come here and, and give you some of, uh, let them share with some of the things that they do as they plan their year. Because you need to start planning that way. How in the world are you going to get your business up and running if you don't think like a business person? How in the world are you going to become an author if you don't start thinking like an author? How in the world are you going to get anything done if you don't learn how to plan? The all of us said, God's going to do it. No, God did everything he was going to do. Now we need to partner with his finished work. I didn't get any amends on that one. Well, I thought God does it. He does through you, <laughs> through the work of your hands. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Minister Mickey, um, I'm going to ask you to first start. Uh, there is a mic somewhere. Yeah. And I want you to share what you do um, as... What is your official position? I'm a community school director. 
community school director. Praise God. So please come to the podium. Yeah. Okay. Come and share. Let's welcome Minister McKee. Can you hear me? Okay. God bless you all. I am a community school campus director. And what that means is that in Washington Heights, there is a campus school where there are now two middle schools, and those public middle schools. And we serve, we as an organization, I work for Children's Aid Society, we serve the population of all of those two schools. And the way we do that is by identifying, identifying the needs of, of children in a social and emotional area. So the schools tend to the academics and we support the schools to ensure that children are successful by providing social and emotional services. Among those services is providing um, medical care we have a full service clinic that also provides um, social work services, dental uh, and vision screening, after school programs, parent engagement um, projects, and um, adult education courses and teen programs. So we serve in a total of about 1,100 um, constituents throughout the year. I am the director of the program and my partners are the principals. So in order to make this happen and be successful every year, we have to start with a set of strategies. And those strategies start with looking back at the year before. So it's interesting because um, I, I didn't know I was gonna do this today. But God did, right? So the last two days, God has been forming in my mind and getting me up in the morning to start to think about what day is the day that I meet with my team of managers and start to set the strategies. Although we started little by little, but to actually put them on paper. So I want to start this with one of the verses that we all know, and that is, Habakkuk 2, 1 through 5. I will stand my wash and set myself on rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I correct it. Okay? Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointment, appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Amen. So this verse specifically not only speaks about the person who has perceived 
and conceived in their heart what they want to do in the future. But it also speaks about a person who can run with the vision when it's written down. So in my case, I have about seven managers, directors, um, who have to run with my vision. And my vision has to match the vision of the agency, which is to ensure that whatever we provide, services and projects um, and entitlements are ensuring the success of children in school. Okay. So God has been waking me up and putting things on the calendar for my professional days to come, which starts next week again. And the first thing that we do when we meet is that we reflect on the year before. You have to be real about what your goals are. So you have to reflect on the year before. And the way we do that is that we identify those things that we were very successful in and we celebrate them. And we identify those things that we need to grow about that we didn't do so well and we learn from those. And that's where we start to identify what the goals are for the new year, by looking at the growth. Then when we identify at least three, we don't overdo it in the past. I've made mistakes of trying to fix everything and I wind up doing nothing. But realistically, in order to be able to succeed by the end of the year, I have identified that three things is a good number. One to three things. You can start even smaller with one. And we set um, SMART goals. Now we've been talking about SMART goals. We've been touching about SMART goals. But we haven't really been looking at what that looks like as a whole when you set your goals. And they are this. SMART stands for your goal, what your vision that you write has to be specific. It can't be vague. It has to have color so that anyone that picks it up will say, okay, I get it. I'm going to draw the same picture that she has in her head or in her heart. Right? <laughs> it has to be measurable. So you have to be able to constantly, when you go back, and evaluate if it's working, that it measures up to where you plan it to be at the time or at the state. And um, Minister Elizabeth is going to give some application of how that may look like, right? So measurable, it has to be specific and it has to be measurable. So by the time um, March comes, I would have at least drank more water than I used to in the past on a daily basis. And if I cannot count the difference, then something's wrong with my plan and I have to reevaluate it. It has to be achievable, something that, it, that I can actually, could be real for me. I'm not going to set a goal that by March I don't see any type of progress, okay? that the progress wouldn't be seen maybe a little bit of it until September. That's not uh, attainable goal. It 
has to be attainable as you're taking this step. It has to be relevant. It has to be important. It has to be relevant to your situation. So in, in, the, in the area of professional, right, if, if you are managing something, it has, your goal has to be relevant to that. In your spiritual walk, it has to be relevant to that. And we know that when it comes to the spiritual walk, the one that has the answers to that is God's word. Mm -hmm. So if your plan does not include God's word, then something is wrong with that goal. Has to be timely. So every step that you make to reach that goal has to have a time set for it. So by the end of January, let's say my goal has to do with eating better so that I can be healthier. One of my measurable specific strategies is to get rid of all the bad food in my apartment. By the end of January. Or in my case, I already did it by December, because many of you know that that's been one of my goals, right? So then, right, our second strategy is fill in my refrigerator with healthy foods, more vegetables, more fruit, water, eliminate soda, eliminate juices, anything with sugar, just fill it up with water, because I don't drink that much water, that's part of my problem, okay? Strategy number three would probably be set a schedule and a meal plan for every day by this day. Okay, so everything has to have a time. Every area of your strategy has to have a time. It also has to have a progress so that you're monitoring every step of the way. Maybe not every day, but you could be monitoring it every week, or every two weeks, or every month. I suggest that when you start a goal, the first two months, you, at the minimum, evaluate it every week. Then after that, you see that you're going in the right direction, then you can monitor it every two weeks, or every month, and as you desire, depending on what your goal is and note down your progress. And then the last column, have you completed? Have you completed that one strategy? Check. Have you completed the second strategy, which is a step? Check. Believe me, you're gonna feel very, very proud of yourself as you start to see those checks. Make sense? Absolutely. Are there any questions? I'm going to allow Minister. Before that. Oh, before that. Yeah. Yeah, keep, keep the mic. Um, <clears throat> so the key then is to write things down. One of the things I, I read uh, some time ago, and it really it, it impacted me because I was not the type of person that would write things down. When um, the statistics said that people that write their goals down and give themselves deadlines, like you said, uh, I'm going to do this by such and such date. 
attain a 90% increase of those that just say they're going to do something but never write it down. So that's been very important to you, I guess, right? The, the Correct. Issue right there? Correct, Pastor. Um, as you know, uh, many years ago, similar to your own experience when it came to um, attaining certain credentials, right. um, I did the same thing. Every year around this time, I would set goals. And I would set at least three goals. One goal that had to do with me personally, spiritually. A goal that had to do with my health. And the third goal that had to do with my development. And every year I would complete those and move to the next level and move to the next level. And as we've discussed in previous um, um, messages, I have several credentials that I have achieved that I never imagined myself to achieve because I took those small steps. The small steps, right. Excellent. And then the, the, the other thing that I appreciate uh, that I learned was always make yourself accountable to others. Yes. So in these timely goals, SMART, S-M-A-R-T, it's an acrostic. Yes. They have to be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic. In other words, I'm going to make $10 million this year. You're not going to attain that. I'm going to make $5,000 more this year. That you can attain. I like that. But also this issue of accountability. Tell somebody and give them permission to hold you accountable. It'll always give you that extra uh, energy when you get lazy, when your flesh fights you, because your flesh will fight you. Yes. Think about your flesh as a spoiled little brat that only wants their way, they only want to be spoiled, they never want to do anything, they want everything to be given to them for free. That's what your flesh is. You have to take that flesh and beat it down and discipline yourself. Thank you so much. I would, I would gladly keep you here for another hour. Praise God. Amen. Minister Liz is also a professional in her industry. She's attained a lot. I'm going to let her give you her title and what she does, and then she's also going to share a couple of minutes. Amen. I'm glad you, you spoke about accountability. Yes. Um, so um, as I was working, who attended Pastor's uh, Conference? Okay, by show of hands. Um, if you haven't started on your booklet, please do so. Very important to get us ready to go into 20. Um, so during the conference, I, you know, I, I, when I was going through the paperwork, I actually put down um, how many years it is that I've been in practice in my profession. I am right now the assistant director of a psychiatric outpatient clinic um, in Yonkers. And um, I was telling Pastor today that it, I realized it's 46 years in that field. I don't look at it, amen, praise <laughs> God. But 46 years in the field, six years of preparation, and I've been working now, it's gonna be 40 years in the profession. So I'm a psychiatric nurse, uh, nurse practitioner in an outpatient clinic, and um, it took a lot of work to get there. Um, it took a lot of coming to pastor and being afraid of taking that step, and he said, you know, you won't know what you're capable of until you're stretched. So allow yourselves to be stretched in this time. So in pastor's paperwork, there were a few things when taking steps to setting goals. Be truthful with yourself. Okay? Be truthful. Second is take personal quiet time to dream and create. Begin to create and design goals that will take you
to the achieved uh, finished picture, which is a smart uh, goals that Minister Mickey spoke about. Then it was accountability steps, and then monthly and then weekly evaluations of your prog uh, progress. And um, so for me, um, I, I want to get practical. So during the conference, I wrote to my husband a little note. I said, honey, I'm going to go back to, to, to school. I'm going to get my doctorate in theology. Because we're, t we're teachers here. When I first came and I began to, to get involved with the teaching and we took a course that, we, that they trained us for teaching, I was so afraid and I didn't consider myself to be a teacher. And I said, no, I'm not a teacher. You know, I was so fearful of, of taking that step because everything that we speak, we're accountable for. When we tell you something, we're accountable for every word that comes out of our mouths when we teach you, we're accountable. That, that put fear in me because I know that I'm not perfect. But then again, you know what? I realize none of us are. Um, but I am gonna go back to work. Now my thing is what is going to be in. Um, and I, I want to focus more on the, the counseling aspect because I will be retiring from my job maybe in two more years, but ministry will be for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. So I want it to be within the area of counseling. So I'm gonna be connected with two pastors who already are doing that and get some ideas from them because my plan, my goal is to be in school already in the springtime. So I've already started to check out the schools. I'm gonna connect with some pastors. Okay, so those are goals that I'm gonna do. I'm going to reach out to them, see what they advise me. Okay, um, calculate the finances, see what, what can be done. But I'm going to, my plan is to the springtime go to school, okay? So that's my, my long-term goal. Short-term goal is this. Um, there are issues that each and one of us carries that we do not want to take into 2020. Amen. Okay, we do not want to take those things into 2020. One thing for me was in the area of control. Okay, <laughs> control. And people who want to control things are considered perfectionists, but it actually comes from a place of fear. Fear. Okay, so what the Lord had been dealing with me is in that area of control. Now, in the job that I'm in, like I said, I've been in this job now that I have as a nurse practitioner, where I'm the assistant director of the clinic. I've been in that position, it's going to go on six years now. Um, two of my coworkers will be leaving, and they're believers as well. So when I found out that they were leaving, there was such an emptiness that I felt because I was like, oh my God, I don't want to stay here anymore. But then I realized this that before I took that position, that position did not exist. God created the position for me. So when I realized that, I said, you know what? I can't leave here because it's God who placed me here and he has me doing a job here. And I know that I am reaching the masses. I am bringing hope to a people who are broken and are hurting broken and are hurting and they are being delivered and they're being saved. Not because of me, but because of him. Because I tell my patients, you know, um, I can treat you, I can prescribe you medication. I can diagnose you, give you medication for your problems, but I can only treat you, but only he can heal you. Amen? So I'll be retiring from that job, God willing, in two years, but I will be, um, my, my ministry, ministry, counseling, helping people, encouraging, that will be until the day the Lord takes me. That's my plan. That's my plan. 
So I wanted to say that there are certain things that we have to do. We, we emphasized the word of God. You have to get into the word of God, folks. The word of God says, okay, in Psalm 119, 105, okay, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. When, when the people of Israel were delivered from Egypt, okay, um, they were taken to the edge, the, the borders, the borders to enter into the promised land that God, God promised them. They didn't enter because they feared. And what happened? God, that, that didn't honor, they didn't honor God with that fear. They disobeyed him. When he said go in, they, they disobeyed him. And yet he told them, go in, take. And what was the result of that? We know that the result was that they wandered for 40 years in the desert. No one over the age of 20 was allowed to go into the promised land. Now here we get to Joshua after Moses has released him. Okay, Joshua's ready. Had Joshua given the people a time of rest, when God said move, they would not have received the promised land. They would have continued, I think, to be in the wilderness. When God says move, you need to move. The word of God teaches us, it shows us, it illuminates for us what God's purpose for us is. So as Mickey said, you're gonna set your goals. You're going to pray about your goals. Make sure that it is alignment with what it is that God has for you. Because sometimes we get into stuff that's not really for us because God didn't tell us to go there. Set yourself in line with what it is that God has for you. Pray. Then get into the word. Because it's the word that's going to illuminate and show you and reveal to you and confirm for you what it is that God has for you. And it's going to be that very same word that's going to strengthen you as you begin to walk. As he told Joshua, take that step into the land that I've already given you. Amen. So get into the word. Pray. Set the goals. You know, bring it before God. Pray about it. Select a scripture that's going to strengthen you and build you up and, and hold you. For me, a lot, of, a lot of it, because of my control, is be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. That verse has carried me many places, but it's not the only verse. Okay, so for you, those of you who may be struggling with other things, okay, because, okay, we're talking about, Mickey talked about, about her school, I'm talking about my you know, my thing with control and my desire to want to go to school, but there are other issues that go on. Can I read some for you? Addictions to substance. Addictions, addic uh, uh, you know, behavioral addictions. Anger. Control. Cursing and foul language. Difficulty in denying yourself. Difficulty in diplomacy and tactfulness double-mindedness, fear and worry, gluttony, greed, insecurity, letting go of the past, lust, managing, difficulty in managing finances, obedience, difficulty in relations with others, difficulty in relationships with spouses, temptation, unforgiveness, and ungodly relationships. So some of you may not be where we're at, but you may be where this is at. You don't want to take this into 2020. If God is already showing you what to do, and I think he's talking to some people today, all right, um, 
grab this paper. I have, I make copies here in the back at the resource table. Take it with you. Choose a verse that you can read over and over every day that can strengthen you to get you on that track to begin 2020 in a positive place. You're not gonna give it up right away, but at least you've made the choice to follow what his word says. Because the word of God says that if we do not do what he tells us to do, like the people, the Israelites did, they wandered in the desert, that shows disobedience to God. If he is showing you, do it. Walk with it, run with it. Run with it. I, I don't wanna stay in the same place where I've been. And get yourself a person who you can be accountable to. Now, accountability, as we shared a few weeks ago, people have a bad feeling or you know, connotation when it comes to accountability. Oh my God, they're gonna tell me what to do. No, an accountability person is someone that can pray with you and encourage you to reach the goal that you have set that you have set. It's not to judge you, it's to help you. Amen. Okay? We need accountability partners. Amen? Amen. Pastor? Amen. And it's in that place when you're meditating and you're receiving from God and you have the vision, you're clear, you know what you want to do. And that's the time you set your accountability partner. Mm -hmm. Because three months from now, when your flesh is fighting it, when you don't have the strength yeah, well, maybe, no, 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 I knew what I had to do. Mm -hmm. Now my accountability partner, and of course my prayer life and the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is going to thrust me to continue because the Bible says Jesus for the picture that was set before him, he endured the cross. So he had to go through moments that he didn't want to be. I'm sure when he was being whipped, anybody would say, this is too much, I can't take this. But the vision he had set and the accountability he had to his heavenly father uh, impelled him through the hard times. So it is those accountability partners that will help you. It's not that they're telling you what to do. You're telling you what to do because you established it back then when you set that accountability partner. Praise God. So thank you. Appreciate it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. That was good. That was good. Praise God. So I, I want to I hit the the spiritual counterpoint uh, to what has been shared. I'm just putting in my, my time here. Glory to God. That was good. Thank you, ladies. I really appreciate that. Amen. What do I do with my glasses? My glasses are over here. My glasses have become one of my best friends. When I read, I, I need them. Praise God. So the Apostle Paul, he prayed this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 on. He said, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Notice, it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom is practical application of being able to do things in a way that will bring success, that, that will bring accomplishment. 
Revelation is the opening up of an understanding that you didn't have before. But it says in the knowledge of God. So what has to do um, with success, much of it has to do with revelation. You know something and you could work with that. If you don't know it, you can't work with it. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So it's the truth that you know that will set you free. The truth that you don't know can't help you. So Paul was saying, Father, I pray you open up their eyes that they would understand, especially in the knowledge of you, the knowledge of you, the eyes of your understanding. So you not only have two eyes in your face, you also have eyes in your knowledge. Your, your understanding also has eyes. It says, your eyes being enlightening that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now notice it doesn't say that one day you'll get it. It says that that is an existing thing. Paul was saying, I pray that God open up your eyes so you would know what God has already done for you. This is not something that's going to happen. I'm going to say it again because you haven't got it. If you, if you would have got it, you would have said, oh, praise God. God already, done, already has done everything that you need for your life. It's a finished work. He already took care of it. The key here is not, is God going to do something for me? The key is, do I know what he's already done so I can access it? Amen. Hallelujah. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the power, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? See, this power is already working in you. It's already working for you. But do you know it? See, if you buy a car and you never, ever tried a car, you go, oh, that's a beautiful car. If you don't know how to turn the car on, it doesn't make a difference how much you tinker with it. The power that you already possess will never benefit you. You need to know how to access the power that is already there for you. God already released the power. We're praying for God to do something. God's saying, I've already done it. You just need to access it. You need to know my word. You need to know my principles so you could access the finished work that I've already done for you. And it says, according to this power, the mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand. Oh, my God. So it's a power that raised Christ from the dead. That's the same power that's working for us. So if there's so much power working on our behalf, why is it then that we don't see miracles, signs, wonders? It's because we don't know how to access the power. So it's a knowledge problem or lack of knowledge problem. I remember when I was a kid, I went to Samuel Gumper's High School in South Bronx. Yeah. And I, I, I studied electricity, electronics. And so I became an electronics geek. I would tear things apart to see how they work. So I tore apart this old console my father had. It was a TV and a radio and a, a disc player, or what do you call those things? <laughs> so it's three sections. In the center was the TV, on the other side was the radio, on the other side was that. And so I broke it apart because the TV wasn't working anymore and my dad was going to throw away. I said, well, no, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll get the other parts working. So I was able to successfully get the radio separate to continue working and also... So, but I, I, I forgot, they taught us 
at school that capacitors are very dangerous. A capacitor is, is a, a piece of equipment that stores electricity until it's needed. But what happens with the capacitor, it shoots out all the power at one time. So you'll actually hear it go, pow. I forgot, and I touch one side of the lead and the other side with the other hands. So it on me. That's good solid 600 volts right through my body at one time. And so I learned power that day. <laughs> the problem is, if you don't know how to use the power, it can kill you. Or it's useless, one of the two. So it threw me, it threw me into the bed. Fortunately, it didn't grab me and keep me. There's a certain electricity that'll keep you there. It won't let you go. This one threw me. So it threw me on the bed, so I just sat there for a while. I just laid there in a while. I didn't know where I was at. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, Jesus had mercy on me. Yeah, but power is a very, very incredible thing. It's an amazing thing. But if we don't know how to use it, you know. There was this gentleman, I heard the story, it's a gentleman, true story, actually. He, he um, was from the country, I mean, really country, woods country. So he went into a meeting in the city, because it had to do with the whole municipality, and he sat there. He didn't know what electricity was. He didn't know what air conditioning was, right? Um, so he sat there, and it was hot, and a guy goes up to a thermostat, clicks it, and immediately he hears air coming into the room, and he feels the coolness of it. He says, that's an amazing Thing. So he went up to the guy. He said, what's that called? He said, the thermostat. Wow. Where do you get that? He said, just go to the hardware store. He went to the hardware store and bought the thermostat, put it on his wall, and turned it on. And nothing happened. <laughs> he, he, he didn't understand that this, all it does is turn on and off the actual unit that has the power of the air conditioning. Lack of knowledge. Hosea says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And that's where many of us are right now. We lack the knowledge of the power of the word of God. Hence, you have the miracle, and you have you, and then you have the line from the miracle power to you, but then you have the spigot, and the spigot's the knowledge. And you have the spigot off. Somebody's saying, what's a spigot? A faucet, right? In order to access it, you have to be able to turn that on, and then the power will go through, and then you'll get it. If we don't know the word on a personal level, remember I told you, you have to conceive it first in here. And the only way to conceive is to have intimacy. You have to have intimacy with Almighty God. You have to have intimacy with the word of God. The word of God has to become something powerful, precious to you. You have to love it. You have to embrace it. You have to memorize it. You have to talk about it over and over and over again to yourself. And then it releases the power. Because what happens is, and here's the title of my, my text today, it's, it's hope for the future. Hope for the future. So we're talking about this. Paul did not pray that we get something new. He prayed that we would get revelation, see, that we would get understanding, that God would open up the eyes of our understanding. The word understanding there is dianoia. It's the deep thought. So you need to start thinking deep about the word of God. You hear the word of God on Sunday, as soon as you're out there, you forgot what the message was. You don't even remember. 
I like my, my, my group on Tuesdays. You know, we have, we have church on Tuesdays. You know that, right? How many of you go to church on Tuesdays? Some of you do. Well, I didn't know a place was open. No, it's not. We do it through the computer, live. All of you are welcome. How come you're not on every, any Tuesday? I'm not going to judge you. Maybe you don't know it. Well, I'm telling you right now. And if you do and you just don't come on, just because you don't want to, because it's, ah, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> or, or you have your favorite novelita. <laughs> it's important, man. It's only once a week. And I've been on with this thing for nine months. I'm not going to let it go now. Amen. Pastor should get another, another date to do that. Well, what's more important to you? Those novels never finish. As the world turns, it's been turning for 10,000 years. <laughs> All my children right now, they're like 90 years old apiece. <laughs> Those things never end. But it's more important to me to come around the Word of God. It's boring. You know why it's boring? What, you know why the Word of God is boring to you? Because you really don't believe it. Because if you really believed it, it would be exciting to you. You know why it's boring? Because you don't honor the word. Yeah, if it's important to you, you'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, it's too hard. Excuse me. For all you apple buffs, as soon as an apple thing is going to come to the market, you'll wait three days in line to get the new apple toy. Don't tell me. I know. Listen, in a couple of days, people are going to stand all day long in Times Square. All day long and all night long. I don't know how in the world they do it because I, I need a bathroom in at least four hours. How do they do it? Huh? Oh, that's, that's, I don't even want to think of that way. So whatever's important to you, you're going to chase after. Nobody has to tell you. It's, it just is or it isn't. You either love the word or you don't. Don't give me excuses because God's the one that's seen your heart, not me anyway. You don't have to prove it to me. But I'll see your passion. I also see if you don't have it. You shall know them by their fruits. What is their fruits? You never have time for the word. What is your fruit? You're always in the word. I could see it. It's clear. But above all, you're doing it to honor God. Not, you're not going to honor me. Uh, God is pleased when you love him. He loved you with all he has. And he demands nothing less. God doesn't want a, a, a girlfriends or boyfriends. God wants to marry. He only has a bride. He doesn't shack up with anybody. He doesn't want a one-nighter. He's not interested in those that come every once in a year out of duty. They come to the Easter service. Well, I have, I've been going, bless God, I've been going to the Easter service for 30 years. And I, I need some time to see the man upstairs. And then they'll come to the man, right? And they'll come to church. I'm here to visit. Yeah. Remember, see, I visited. I know I hardly don't come, but every once in a while, don't, don't, don't forget me. And God's looking. Don't know who you are. Yeah, the scripture says that. There's some people say, Lord, Lord, and the Lord tells them, I don't know who you are. Never knew you. What is God saying about you? 
Glory to God. So God was speaking to people that, that have a passion for him. God told Joshua, every step that you take, I've already given to you. So God gives us pictures. We need to see the picture of what God has already done for us in our mind's eye. You heard these two professionals share how passionate they are for what they're doing. Uh, you know, Liz is already at least 25 years old, and she's going for another, uh, another <laughs> degree. She's a lifelong student. Lifelong students. You have to be passionate about this. Stop complaining about the man. How many people complaining about the billionaire? Oh, they're making more money. Yeah, they're making more money. They also wake up earlier than you. They work seven days a week. That's all they do is work. You want to criticize them or you want to become successful? Stop with the nonsense already. Now, I'm not berating you. I'm just talking general. Because listen, I'm also talking to, uh, I guess, maybe North Carolina, maybe Texas. Uh, we're talking to other people. So not just you. I'm challenging you because you, there's something that has got a hold of this nation where people are complaining about everything and demanding everything and they want it for free and, and they want the man to take. I'm telling you, the man's never going to show up. I guarantee you that. And no matter how much you go out there and beat yourself to a pulp or beat somebody else, it's not going to work. It's only going to work when you finally make a decision to, to, to realize what's important for me. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and all the rest of the things shall be added. The government is not your provider. God is your provider. The government can help you get started, but you're the one that's going to take it to the next level. You're the one that's going to walk with God into your um, inheritance, into your promised land. We are partners with God. We're partakers of his nature, people. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, as his divine power has given to us all things, say with me, all things, all things. that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge, once again, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which, by which have been given to us. Say with me, it's been given to me. Great and exceeding and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Notice, it's already been given to us. So let me give you an exercise right now. I take that verse. Father, thank you that your divine power has been given to me. That's given to me all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice how I took it from the ethereal to the personal. I apply it to me because these promises are for me. For, so I say this, this verse, Father, thank you that I am a partaker of your nature according to your word. And your word never fails. Your word is the truth. So I'm a partaker of your nature. Your divine power has given to me all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of you who called me by glory and virtue by which you have given me great, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these I may be a partaker of the divine nature having escaped the, the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now let me personalize this for you. The word lust has a threefold connotation. The lust of the eyes. The lust of life. And the pride of life. The lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. So notice, that is where we are, most all of us are at. The lust of the eyes. What I see, I desire. TV feeds that all the time. Movies feed that. We want to dress a certain way because they do it. We feel guilty about our bodies because look at the way they look. They, they, they're the ones that project that to us. Hypocrites. They're such hypocrites. 
So your lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, what I want, what's in it for me, pride of life. Pride is what turned Lucifer into the devil. We're prideful people. I want to be better than you. I want to have more than you. That's where the, most of the world is caught up. But we can escape that because now we have the nature of God. And since we have the nature of God, we flow in love. We flow in mercy. We flow in grace. We flow in giving. We flow in ministry. Because we understand that we are just visiting this place. Our true home is with our husbandmen, Almighty God, through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So I look at these verses and I personalize them. Ephesians 1.8, Paul said that God has abounded toward us. Abounded. When you hear the word abound, what does that mean to you? Huh? A lot. Exactly. God has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And notice, it says he has done it already. It's yours already. He already sent it our way. Lavished it upon us. Why are we in personal, emotional, and spiritual recession? That was a good Twitterable moment right there. <laughs> Paul prayed that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because God's already done it, we just have to see it. He already, he already knew that, so he said, God, help them to see that you're already blessed. It, it says here, we're blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. It's already a done deal, people. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, you're already blessed. You're already blessed. You already have a power flowing through you, in you. Abounding toward you. Problem is, you don't know it yet. You don't know what you don't know. The, in, the entire Christian world is, is, is almost stuck in a place of being constantly begging God to do something that he hasn't done. And yet, the truth of the matter, he's already done it. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus doesn't have to die again. He already died. So we're free to receive his love, his grace, his favor. He already paid the price for sin. If somebody needs healing, he paid the price for healing. Yes. By whose stripes you, you were healed. I say that over my body every day. Thank you, Father, that my body is healed by the stripes of Jesus. I feel symptoms. Father, thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. Yes, Lord. I have to speak the word to myself. I have to speak the word to my mind. Glory to God. God is requesting that we be his hands, his feet, his ministers. We're his partners. He even told us that we would do greater works. Where are the greater works? I'll tell you where the greater works are. For those, they're, they're among those that are believing him, that are walking with him, that are declaring the word over their cities, over their nations, over their families, in their communities. Those are the ones that are seeing the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. The ones that are just hoping that God's going to do something are not getting anything because they're not acting, activating it with faith. Faith has works. Now, Hope is important. Hope is vital. That's one of the three big virtues in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. What are the three virtues? Faith, love, and hope. So hope is vital. Actually, hope is a very powerful word. Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what is hope? 
Hope is to cherish something, to desire with anticipation, something that doesn't exist yet. To want something to happen. I desire this, man. I hope this would happen. You heard people say, when you tell them, you know, this is going to happen. I think it's going to happen. They go, I hope so. Why are they saying, I hope so? Because it was a good thing. It would be a good thing if it happens, right? A desire, uh, to desire with expectation. And so when we see hope is one of the great virtues, then hope is important. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives substance to what we hope for. It births the things we don't see in our imagination. Now, hope is desiring something that's not there yet. What does that sound like? That sounds like something that's in your head first. It's in your imagination. Hope is actually the New Testament counterpart to the word imagination in the Old Testament. So in order to hope for something, you first have to see it within yourself as a possibility of something that can happen. And if it were to happen, it'd be really good. My mom has great hope. She goes, ay, ojalá me pegue en la lotería. Oh, I wish I won the lottery this week. She hopes. But it's not based on the word of God. So there's, there's not, no, no concreteness to it. No substance to it. But when we hope in the word of God, now we're giving substance to our hope. Because God's word is true. God's word is spirit and it is life. And this is why we have to personalize the word to ourselves. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is on earth. Give me this day my daily bread. This is what the people of God are doing. They hear the word, but they see it as something over there. They don't personalize it to themselves. And in the year 2020, we're going to need to personalize the word of God in our lives. Let me tell you, if you've ever seen... I don't get the names right now. But roller coasters, right? The, 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 the most ridiculous roller coaster. It goes like this. It goes like this. It goes like that. The year 2020 is going to be it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Don't expect peace and quietness. Expect things to be going all over the place. Yes. It's, it's like, a, a, what's the name of that guy? Oh, man. Um, he's an, an adventurer. He'll go into this place, into this cave, and as he's going in, uh, a knife comes that way, a dagger comes this way. Indiana Jones. The year 2020 is going to be the year of Indiana Jones. Where well, you're going to have to walk like this, and then you're going to have to walk in like this. And I'm telling you, every step of the way, the Holy Spirit's going to say, do a left, do a right. Go over here. Meet this one. Speak to that one. Pray for that one. That's what's going to be happening. And for those that have ears to hear, they're going to hear the Spirit of God give them direction, wisdom, and we're going to prosper in the year 2020 in our ministry, in our lives, personally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Because I submit this to, do, to, to you with this moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and, uh, 3 and 4 and 5. It says, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. 
Notice it never says anything about casting out devils. Talking about dealing with the mind. Dealing with imagining the right things. Hoping the right things. Hope in what is just pure. You know, receive the things that are just pure, good report. Why does the devil move and he's so powerful? He's not powerful. He's a dis defeated angel. He's a defeated, he, he's high ranking, but he got dethroned. He, he's, he, people say, oh yeah, there's a fight between God and the devil. There's no fight there. God is the creator. He's a created being. There's no fight. There's no fight. The problem is, and let's go back to the vain imaginations. And this is why you have to be very careful this year. Why has the devil looked so powerful in our midst in the United States this last 20 or 25 years? Or maybe 30, maybe 35 years. Or maybe 40 years. When was that movie, The Exorcist? When did it come out? So, yeah, so it's this. Set, wow. But 1970, next week, it'll be 50 years old. Oh, my God. So it's 40 something years. I remember going to see to The Exorcist. I went with my friend at that time, Gwendolyn, her sisters, me and Willie. We went, we used to call them the girls. We went with the girls because we wanted to impress them. And I was hoping they get so scared that we would be able to put our arm around them and go, oh my God, oh my God. And, and the first time that lady turns her head, first time the lady turned her head, I went, oh my God. Because in my house, they used to play with that stuff, dabble with that stuff. So I got scared. And I, I'm like this. I said, Man, this is ridiculous. Oh, oh, man. And it, it was really fearful for me. And then I looked at Willie. He was doing the same thing. <laughs> so him and I, and then the girls were laughing. <laughs> because her, her mother taught her the word, and, and you know they didn't fear that thing. But I feared it because they, they amplified it in her home. They multiplied it in her home, made it bigger than what it really was. And here's the point I want to make. When you go to the movies, Who's more powerful? The demon spirits and all these demon people or the priests? I remember back then, the priest in that movie, The Exorcist, was weak. He was a wuss. He ended up throwing himself out of a window. Yet the Bible says we're like Jesus. Jesus walked around, the demons were like, shut up, get me behind me. Please. There was not even a question about it. There was never a fight about this. But it had to do with knowledge and authority and walking in your authority. The world will always amplify the devil. Why? Because they themselves are deceived. All these movies are made by people that don't know Jesus. Because if they knew Jesus, they would not make this movie. Those who know Jesus create a more realistic Jesus, and you see movies like um, that we saw two, three, four, five years ago where they just shared his life, and that thing has touched the world. And people are afraid, or they want to go there quickly and, and get a, a quick scare. They don't realize that when they get in that place without the protection of Holy Spirit, the enemy can access their life 
and they leave there with spirits of fear uh, and, and, and they go home and they don't even know what's going on. They gave access. You play with those Ouija things that you're giving access. You're giving permission for the enemy to harass you and to vex you and torment you. But those that know God who have revelation, when that thing comes, get thee get behind me. The Bible says submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. The word flee means run away as in fear. So those demon spirits fear a Christian that knows God and will flee from them. Yet the world would tell you, oh, they're so powerful, so mighty. Think about it. It all has to do with the mind. That person that, that goes uh, and kills 10 people, uh, you know, chop them up or, or uh, goes into a school and, and, and with a gun or semi-automatic. What's his mindset? That person that goes and blows themselves up, in order, what's their mindset? It's all to do with mindset. That's where the enemy has power when he can deceive you. The word conceive means receive the seed, receive the mindset, receive it, right? And you produce. Deceive, the word de means come against. Come against the seed or come against the thought that can help yes. you to prosper. Yes. So now it has come to, to, know, to be a person that will speak something that's untruthful to you. They mean one thing, but they say another. And that's what the enemy does. He has the power of deception. And this is what we need to understand. When he comes to us, we understand deception because we know the real. If you know the word, when the enemy comes with deception, you go, mm -mm, nope, that's not what the word says. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have to, in the year 2020, as we're planning our goals, remember you heard it from these two precious ladies who shared with you from the professional uh, part, even though they're believers, and Minister Mickey even said it, as she's planning for her job, she's asking Holy Spirit for wisdom. Yes, because he's in every aspect of our life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Consider this. All the New Testament scripture about spiritual warfare focuses its attention on the mind and imagination. What did Goliath do to harass the, the Israeli warriors, the Israelite warriors? He cursed at them every day. Told them how he was going to kill them. Told them how, how horrible they were, how nothing they were. David comes, he tells them the same thing, and they say, uh-uh, the word tells me this. God will do uh, to you what I saw in the country. When I took the lion and the, the, the bear, he's going to do the same thing to you. So in essence, David used the word against Goliath. He used his experience with God against Goliath. When the enemy comes to Jesus, he tells him, if you bow down, to me, I will give you all these lands. Yes, what did Jesus say? Come on. Responded with the word. Let's learn from the master. Hallelujah. How do we respond? Ay, Dios mío. <laughs> or we respond with anger. Or we respond with offense. That's not going to move heaven and hell. That's not going to move anything in the spirit realm. It's only going to bring you to a point of worry, fear, anxiety, stress, but when we speak the word to us, it's going to birth faith in us. It's going to birth hope in us. And we need to walk into the year 2020 with hope. 
I need to hear people that are going to encourage me. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I appreciate my sister who just sent me an email this week. She said that they've been praying and fasting and going to these abortion clinics. Perchance, one child could be saved. And from what she tells me, three, four, five, uh, more are being saved. So instead of just hoping without action, hope and faith has action. And they've been going there, fasting and praying, standing. And that encouraged me. The word encourage means, en means give. Add to and courage is the word courage. Encourage the heart. It gave me strength in my heart. Discourage, remove courage from the heart. So I want to be around places and people that will encourage, will breathe courage into me. Hallelujah. And the word breathes in encouragement to me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms 91. Let's do another exercise as I'm, I'm landing this right now. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you in his wings, and his, or rather with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. So let's read it this way. Thank you, Father, that I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Thank you, Father, that I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in him I trust. Thank you, Father, that you deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. Thank you that you cover me with your feathers. Thank you that under your wings I shall take refuge. Thank you that your truth is my shield and buckler. Thank you, Father, that I'm not afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Thank you, Father, that even though a thousand may fall at my right my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked. Because I have made the Lord was my refuge, even the most high, my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me, and nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. Are you getting this now? Are you understanding that the word of God is for you? It's his promises to you. He loves you. He says he wants to give us a future and a hope. A future, a good future, a blessed future. He says he doesn't want to harm us. He wants to bless us. You can say that with full authority because it's his word. And, and, and you can trust Almighty God. You can trust his word. I don't know if I can trust the government. I don't know if I could trust my friends at that level. There are some people that I trust. But even then I know they're human. They can fail. Sometimes, uh, you know, we offend each other. But because I love them, we forgive each other and keep on walking. But are we taking the word of God to ourselves? Are we playing games with this? I took my glasses off. See, that's a serious moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the commercials, when they take the glasses off, that means they're going to make a really poignant you know, statement. So the application. The ladies gave you an idea. Be smart. Smart goals. Be specific. What is it that God's telling you? Where are you going? What are you doing this year? Year 2020. What are you doing with it? 
same old, same old. Get a vision. Seek God. What is it that you're passionate about? Does anything move you? Does anything impact you? Of course it does. You, 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 you have the Holy Spirit within you. There's something that's nudging you. I can't tell you what it is, but you know what it is. And there's another thing, by the way. You ladies touched on it, but you didn't really get into it. And that is, it's okay to make mistakes. Yes. It's okay to make mistakes. Well, I'm glad that you didn't either. <laughs> My message today. I thought about this. I was like, I'm not going to. It's okay to make mistakes. Some people, they don't make any mistakes because they're afraid of making one. Don't be afraid. All millionaires make mistakes. Actually, they make a lot more mistakes than we do, but they're not afraid. So you just keep on making them, and they, they work their way to success. They fail their way to success. Do you want to say something? So I'm just going to continue walking and see what he's going to teach me in this. Amen. I wasn't there at the beginning, but I'm there now. Amen. I have a verse for that. The Lord orders our steps. He orders the steps of a righteous man. So even if we get this way, Holy Spirit will bring us right back. So it's okay to make mistakes. You know, God is not upset when you make a mistake. He's only upset when you refuse to do anything. Because to those guys that he gave the talents to, the first two, they multiplied the talents. What did he tell them? Good and faithful servant, right? And one guy multiplied it to 10 talents. The other guy only multiplied it to four, but he told them the same exact thing. Why? Because at their level, they did their best. And they were honorable, and they might have made a mistake, but they multiplied it, and they gave it back to God. The last guy refused to do anything, and God called him a wicked and lazy servant. So the only thing he gets upset at is when we refuse to do anything. So where are you now? And one of these days, wicked and lazy servant, get active, do something for the kingdom. Because the year 2020, it's time to get to work. We don't know how much time we have, but it's time to get to work. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I know this was a little different, a little unusual, but this is exactly what we needed to hear today. Hallelujah. And for those of you that are listening over the internet, praise God. This is for you too. So don't think just because you're in your pajamas that this doesn't have the same Im impact. It has the same impact. Get out of your pajamas and get active. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So what's your favorite verse? What are you going to start applying? What's your favorite verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all, or amen, he's amen. That's the Spanish counterpart. Yeah. Hey, what, what? What's Matthew 6? Seek, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and everything shall be added. Amen. So how do you personalize this? Thank you, Father, that I'm seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And thank you that you'll add all things to me, or everything I need. What was the things that he's saying that would be added? Houses, 
food, shelter, clothing. So I don't have to worry about these things. I have to seek him, and he'll make sure that I have those things provided. See, that's how I personalize the verse. What other verse? I have plans for you. I have and a hope. Right. Amen. So, Father, thank you that you have plans for me, good plans. You're kind to me. You love me, and you have, you have a good future for me. I might not be enjoying that good future right now. I might not see it, but I know he has a future. So that's how, what I, I declare to myself. Thank you, Father, for that good future that you have. Ephesians 2.10. Thank you, Father. You created me for good works. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Amen. Huh? God will supply. Thank you, Father, that you supply all my need according to your riches and glory. Especially if I get fired. Father, thank you. <laughs> you got to go in the word. Otherwise, it will bring you to depression. What's the counterpoint? The counterpoint is you get an imagination of failure, of poverty, of destruction. Whereas when you get in the word, your imagination and your hope will be positive or be in line with the word of God. And so when the enemy comes to you to try to deceive you, he won't be able to do so because you know the truth versus the fake. Excellent verse. Amen. And that's and that's a powerful, powerful verse because his truth is my shield and buckler. Now the shield protects the Old Testament soldiers had shield that protected them from head to toe, but also the buckler is the belt. The belt is what helped to keep all of that on. If you don't have a belt, right? Yes, exactly right. Your pants will fall down and it will expose you. So that's why the buckler is so important. His truth is my shield and my buckler. It keeps it all together, thus not exposing me to the enemy who can destroy me if my soft parts are exposed. What are my soft parts? My emotions, the things that I've done in the past. But when God protects me, he buckles me up. He, he protects me, shield from, from head to toe. The enemy cannot get in. Good verse, good verse, good verse. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word. Glory to God. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness, your love, and tender mercies. Thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so awesome. We worship you this morning. Lord, we are a grateful people. Thank you for the truth of your word, my God. Because in this, you said it. You told us that in this world we would have trouble. But to confide in you because you already overcame the world system. You already overcame everything that we will have to deal with. You already overcame. And you give us the wisdom and strategy and strength and boldness, revelation, understanding, capacity, partnerships and alliances and networks to be able to overcome. You said we're more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. So Father, thank you. In all my challenges, I will more than overcome. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. So, Father, thank you. We love you, Lord. We praise you, my God. And as we exit this year, as we get ready to exit this year, Father, we declare that we stand with you in your word. We seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. You can do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think. Hallelujah. Because of that power that dwells within us, within us that you placed Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you that we have the mind of Christ. 
Thank you that we have your word, my God. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you promised us that you never leave us nor forsake us. And I say this parenthetically. I'm stopping to pray a moment just to say this parenthetically. When you say, I don't feel God, I just don't feel God. I don't feel God. That's a lie. So you're lying. Because he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. So how can we lie about that when, you, when we know he's with us? You know why you can say that? Because you really never believed it to begin with. You, gotta, you, you have to get a mic. Your head's bowed. Let's just let's soak in this moment. Let's soak in it. This, this is powerful revelation, people. Powerful revelation. And you've got to catch it for yourself. I can't be there with you three in the morning. But the Spirit of God is. His Word is. Hallelujah. Amen. Just want to release 2 Samuel 7, 22, about the greatness of our God. He gave me this song a while back, and I'll release it now. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. Come on, we can clap our hands. Come on. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no God but you. As we have heard with our own ears, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, your awesome in glory, working wonders? Who is like you? Who is like you? Yeah. Come on, let's stand to our feet and clap our hands unto the Lord. Come on. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. Oh, there is no God but you as we have heard with our own ears who among the gods is like you O Lord who is like you majestic in holiness your awesome in glory working wonders who is like you who is like you who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? You're awesome in glory, working wonders. Who is like you? Who is like you? For you are great and do marvelous our God alone, King and Majesty, oh for you are great and do marvelous things, you are God alone, King and Majesty. among the gods is like you, O Lord, who is like you, majestic in holiness, you're awesome in glory, working wonders, 
Who is like you? Who is like you? Who among the gods is like you, O oh Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, you're awesome in glory, working wonders. Who is like you? Who is like you? There is no one. Hallelujah! Here's the 2020. magnify your holy name and we thank you Lord God because you are with us Lord God and your message is clear Heavenly Father that as we prepare for this new 2020 Lord God that you will give us the revelation individually Lord God of what we should Heavenly Father pray about Lord God give us the strength give us the the word Lord God the personal word that would guide us through this year, Lord God. Cover every family here, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And may your mercies, Lord God, be with us, Heavenly Father, as we walk out of here. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for who you are. Amen. 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 Amen.